This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Please don't forget about the gram at Burns Clan. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, very extensive bio, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? You kidding me, man? I'm doing one of my favorite things in life, sitting here recording past the mic. Let me start by saying this. First, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life. <laughs> Listen, man, I am a black church kid, like to the core of me. Yes, you are. You know what made me think about this a lot? We're going to have some fun today, hopefully. You know what made me think about this? is I was thinking back to a particular album and I posted about this album because y'all don't know anything about this album and it shows. It is an album by Winans Phase 2. So you've heard of the Winans, right? Of course. You know, Marvin Winans, B.B. Winans, C.C. Winans, all of them, the Winans family. But did you hear about Phase 2? Phase 2 is almost like if... If B2K was like a Christian situation, you know, not necessarily <laughs> like that, but it's more like it was it's more like more like the R and B tip. Or, the, <laughs> okay, or what they call with the, this. Or what they call the R and P tip, the rhythm and praise tip. Okay. Look, bro, you weren't there. And I'ma tell you, I'ma tell you why this was significant. Because this was manna for us to have four young black men, very young, I think they were in their early twenties or maybe one or two of them in their teens still. And they were making dope music. Bangers. Bangers, jams. They had some smooth joints on there. And it was Christian. They had the matching outfits. Yes. Choreography. <laughs> yes, but they didn't perform a lot live, you know, because yeah. there, wasn't, there wasn't really the infrastructure for that. Now, absolutely, I'm sure they would have. But they had the matching white outfits on the cover. <laughs> you already know. You know, they had they had the, the smooth man pose, the R&B <laughs> singer pose. And man, it transformed. I remember, I look, so the first time I actually saw them, I saw Winans Phase 2. It was in a family Christian store. And I remember I used to go in there maybe like once or twice a month just to see if there was anything new out, if there was anything new urban out. So I go to check the Christian hip hop uh, section. I think this was around the time. This is before my Christian hip hop kind of um, origin story, mm -hmm. so to speak. And so I would go to find, you know, whatever was urban, right? <laughs> cool, and, cool, and I was yeah. still listening to like gospel stuff. So let's find some like Minna Standard. Or, you know, if you want to go to some, like, some CCM rap, like a Grits album mm -hmm. or a, um, a T-Bone or something like that. You know, you're just trying to get whatever you could get because it wasn't like truly a gospel store, right, in terms of gospel music. And so I remember I saw Winans Phase 2 and I was like, hmm, this looks dope. Like I just immediately was gravitated toward it. And I went to the, you know, try this album section 
in <laughs> you <laughs> they okay? used to have they used to have they used to have a little thing where you could have a sample album and you could try the album out. You could listen to it. Just press the, the little CD. button. Yeah, you listen yeah. to it in the CD player, but you had to manually you had to put on the headphones. You had, yes, you had to manually load the CD in, and um, you know you get the sample CD. And um, I remember that first that first joint came on. That first joint came on. Well, the first one I clicked was "Send Me." Look, the very distinctive, the <laughs> very distinctive opening. I mean, I'm telling you, still bops today. How it go? How it go? Anyway, you don't for long. If you leave it on the phone to go, everybody else wants to go. Say hello, it's all right, Sammy. They were saying that as long as I got you to sing it on mic, that's all we needed. And the beat was going, everything sounded real. Like I think it was Dark Child was doing it. I feel like wow, it was amazing, right? And so you know, I started pop locking next to the Purpose Driven Life. Like I mean, I'm telling y'all, y'all don't understand. Yo, you weren't there. You weren't there. Um. We can praise God for 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 common grace. <laughs> Look, it was transformative, man, because there are unique experiences in the life of young black church kids, in the life of those of us who grew up in church that I just don't think sometimes we sit back and acknowledge how hilarious, how meaningful, and also how absolutely absurd some of these things are, Right. So, so I want to talk about a couple of these, okay? Uh, go with me on this. Some, some black church kid experiences. Black church. You, you know you are a black church kid if your church had a mind ministry. Now, you got to understand. <laughs> you got to understand when we say a mind ministry, I mean, folks take this seriously. I mean, it, it is a serious thing. They, they dress up in the white face paint and all that, and they got the, the pristine outfits and the white gloves. And it's basically you're 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 acting out what is happening in the song, and it's typically on story songs or solo songs, especially. And you're acting it out, and you're and you're and you're moving and contorting your body in this, and so you're using it as a a or some people have called it spirituals, right? They call it the spiritual. So you're using your body as a representation. I'm gonna tell you, I still do not understand the mind ministry. Hmm. I don't understand it. I've done it before. I don't get it. You've done it before. Oh, yeah, bro. I've done everything video. in the church. I've done everything in the church. Wow. Dance, mime, wow. uh, step. I've been in the choir. I've been in a praise team. I've been in an evangelism team. Okay, you've been holding I've been out. going door to door. I, I've done everything you can do in the church except play an instrument. <laughs> That's the only thing I have not done. I don't understand my ministry because here's this is this is the black church kid thing. What do you say? Say this out loud if you're listening. What do you say when the CD don't play and the mime, the mimers are standing up there? What do you say when the CD doesn't play? I'm going to pause. Let you say it. Say it out loud. We say, that's all right. And everybody starts clapping. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how yes. you know you're a black church kid. Everybody, that's all right. As soon as they come out and, and they, they got hands behind their back and they're walking, say, y'all better dance. Y'all better dance. <laughs> I still don't understand. What what were we doing, y'all? And this is still a thing. What are we doing, y'all? Yeah. What what is the what is it? What is it? And no disrespect to dance, right? Yeah, but like what? Why? I just it it just it blows my mind. It blows Mm. my mind. It just it still to this day does. It blows your mind. (laughs) 
Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of Pastor Mike. Uh, I did we'll it. Catch just, you, which, I wish we'll catch you could you. see Tyler's face right now. We'll catch I did you it next just week. to see that face. Anyway, but you know, you 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 notice from the outside looking in, Jamar, that they're like weird black church things or hilarious black church things that you're like. Do y'all actually do this? <laughs> yeah, so I I did not grow up going to church, and and like I always say, like my parents were not hostile to it. It it might have just been I need to actually ask my dad about this, but it might have just been you know they didn't have a church in the area that they they felt strongly about or whatever. I will say I grew up going to a religious school. I went to Catholic school hmm. K through eight. So I could probably actually say much more about <laughs> growing up Catholic than I want to hear this. <laughs> growing up as a black So what is kid. what is okay, so I'm a good I'm a good black church boy, black church kid. What is what does a good Catholic kid do? Man, okay. So we had mass once a week, okay. every week. And uh I was not Catholic. So you would go up and instead of receiving the Eucharist, you would cross your hands and receive the priest's blessing and they hmm. would say a quick prayer, lay their hand on your head or something like that. I just remember all the black kids, we wouldn't get up when it was time, most of the time. And I always thought it was like a race thing. Oh, black kids don't do this. <laughs> it's, it's just that all the black kids were Baptists. <laughs> so uh. <laughs> they didn't go up for it. There's a first communion, which is a big thing, hmm. big, big thing. Tell me kids. about this. It's, it's, it's when um, a child gets old enough and they go through catechism training to understand the teachings of the church. And then you receive your first Eucharist as part of the the Catholic church. And usually it's younger kids. I don't know what is it like third grade ish or so. Hmm. And they're, they make a huge deal out of it. It's almost like, it's almost like, it's almost like a, a, a almost like a baptism or something like that. It's a rite of wow, passage. Wow. It's a spiritual rite of passage. So the girls get these white dresses. You invite your whole family to the first communion thing. And so that was a big deal. I never wow. participated. I just knew it was there. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of that stuff. It was a lot of saints. Like every other day was a saint's day. And wow. you prayed okay. to certain saints of whatever it might yeah, be. So yeah. yeah, that was kind of my <laughs> background. In I want to talk about some of the like the decorations and the scenery and the paraphernalia within our churches, because yeah, as a black church yeah, kid, yeah. you know, you're a black church kid. If you've got them little watermelon candies, them little watermelon <laughs> wrapper exactly candies, what you're talking about. Yes. Um, or strawberry wrapper candies. And you, you gotta have, you gotta have those. Mama had butterscotch have, in her purse. Yeah. Butterscotch and peppermints. For sure. And what I found is I, I went to a very like, at that time, modern black Pentecostal ah. church. But we still had it. We still had tambourines. Okay. We still had tambourines. No washboard. Did you meet in a, in a, in a, in like a traditional church or were you in some other facility? We jumped from facility to facility, but we never really had pews. I don't think we ever okay. had pews. Okay. Cause I was going to say that is something I remember every time we did go to church. It was the same red carpet, the same pews. Yeah, it was like it was mass produced. The same altar, you know. Yeah, it was mass produced. All of it. <laughs> it was it was absolutely it was mass produced. I think what else? What else would I say? Oh yeah, the the church fans, we did have church fans. You didn't. We did. You did. Okay. We did have church fans sometimes. And then this is a unique Pentecostal thing. The the cloths, the altar cloths. Okay? So just in case you fall out, your yeah. body is covered. They cover yeah. you up yeah. to your 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 neck. Yes. I'm like, just cover my face. So they just put it. <laughs> I always pull it over my face. <laughs> I want y'all to see me crying. So I'm gonna pull this over my face. Okay. That's black church stuff. That was Very much that's so. like paraphernalia that you would see um 
what am I thinking of? I think that's pretty much it. I think those are the things that I remember distinctly for yeah. me because we yeah. didn't grow up with hymn books or anything okay. like that. Okay. But the Baptists among us would probably have the hymnals. Absolutely. And then they would talk about Deacon's Devotion, right? I mean, we, yeah. So the Deacon's Devotion is something that before the pastor gets, <laughs> before the pastor gets, <laughs> the sermon before the sermon. So before the service starts, the deacon, and I'm laughing because of the way E. Dewey Smith <laughs> described it, which I'm not going to describe. <laughs> but it makes me laugh. You got to say it. You got to say it. <laughs> he said the deacons were up there um, and they would start singing. It sounded like. Tyler's <laughs> cracking himself up. <laughs> they would uh, get what? Rectal exam. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> of their facial expressions. <laughs> I think the brother sounds bad. I've never been to a good devotion, bro. I've never seen a good devotion. I'm sorry. My, my, my. I love my, all my, y'all my. Baptist friends, but I never understood it. <laughs> the first time, I, it literally freaked me out. I did almost you, left the church. Did you have, uh, uh, you know, Fred Hammond's called Testimony Service? Yes. Yes. But but that was not regular for us. Mm-hmm. That was not regular for us. That was simply like you have on a Wednesday night or, you know, a Thursday night prayer or something like that. That's when you would have Testimony Service. Because typically what would happen is, as y'all have seen, like you'll get wild stuff being said during mm-hmm. testimony service. So they just stop doing that, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, which we can debate whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. But yeah, that's that's typically. What about what about you? What would you see around a good Catholic kid like service? Yeah. So, I mean, the imagery is so powerful and prevalent. Um, but the first thing I remember is the smell. Hmm. So they would, when you walk in, you would always smell incense. Right. And to right. this day, if there's a particular kind of incense, it reminds me of being in church. So there was that stained glass windows almost all the time. So when I was growing up, uh, it was always in a traditional Catholic church, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't, you know, storefront or anything like that. So it, it had all the trappings of a traditional church, including stained glass. I remember doing Stations of the Cross mm-hmm. every year. Certainly the the vestments, the priest oh, robes yeah. and course, everything like that. Um, the sacristy, altar boys. There was so much tradition. Yes. And as a young kid, you don't really understand it, but you memorize it. And it's a it's it's this mm. powerful way of sort of discipling right, right. children in what it means to, That's really to special. be Christian. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean it can easily become very rote and meaningless, right? People literally just going through the motions. Oh, big thing, genuflecting before you enter the pew, so you bow down on one mm-hmm. knee as a gesture of respect, and then uh, doing the sign of the cross over over you. Um, that was a big thing, and I remember it was weird going into Protestant worship spaces and they didn't do that. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I thought everybody did this. So so there was a lot of that stuff and there was so much tradition. I really didn't start to understand it till undergrad when I went to Notre Dame, which is a Catholic school. Right, right. And I had folks around me who were doing all the same stuff, but with a lot of consciousness about right. the symbolism. But that's the other thing that was really interesting about the Catholic church is... You could be in Iowa, hmm. South Bend, Indiana. It's the same experience. Or, yeah, I went to Catholic Mass in uh, Jerusalem. And you could, it, it, even though it was in a different language, you knew what to do. Wow. You could follow along. And there was the, 
you know, Catholic means universal, right? And so you felt that universality there. Now, I'm, there's all kinds of issues. Absolutely. You know, for but, sure. but that was really interesting. And that was something that was just starkly different to me when I started worshiping in Protestant spaces. I have so many questions about that. That's just so fascinating. It was fascinating. That's fascinating. Let's take a break because I want to come back and let's get into some questions that we have for each other. And then I'm going to tell you how you know if you're a good black church kid because a lot of y'all ain't and it shows. Hey, Tyler, you know what's wild? October 2021 marks the 10-year anniversary of The Witness. A decade of this ministry, bro. 10 years. A decade of blogs and podcasts and events. I'm so excited, man, to celebrate 10 years. You know what? I think it's time to do another push for our Patreon community. I'm because saying. after 10 years, our Patreon community needs to blow up. It needs to explode. Yes, yes. You know what I was just thinking a great anniversary gift would be? Hmm. If you became a patron and go to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. Yes, just for $1 per episode, you can continue to fund the next 10 years yes, of the, the witness, next the next 10, 10 years. years. I of like all the these sound great of that. podcasts and events and conferences go to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic and give just one dollar per episode and let's get us up to 200 patrons because if not i'm gonna quit the show oh boy thank y'all so go. much i appreciate it Wait. so One of the questions that I have is, okay, so the priest does like a homily? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So y'all don't really be like preaching? Y'all just be like sharing? Is it like a TED talk or is it a... (laughs) Is it a is it a book report? Like, what do they do? All I'm saying is Catholics roll deep. Watch what you say. No, nah, uh, I, I love y'all. I love y'all. I'm just messing with Jamar. Um, I love all y'all. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest differences. The center of the mass is the Eucharist. Okay. Is the celebration of the Eucharist, not the sermon, not the sermon by any means. And so often you would get a five, maybe ten minute homily, and that was it. That's fascinating. And then the, the service was all printed out. Yeah, it was pretty of, much it was printed programmatic out. And but it was very, yes, very tight liturgy. There were readings, you know, that, that everybody did on the same day and all that stuff. Nice, There's nice, a very okay. uh, structured liturgical calendar and all of that. So yeah, no, the the the, the homily, you know, and, and what's funny is you would still have a spectrum of preachers in terms of quality okay right 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 so they would talk about priests who gave a good homily and i'm like that that was like a commercial i mean it was was so short it was so short it was so short but you know there's a discipline and a beauty in that as well right to to very concisely say it and like black preachers would end with the gospel invitation homilies a good homily ends with an invitation to the eucharist which is a physical Mm. demonstration of the gospel right right right. so okay you know you can in its purest form and on paper right it's very beautiful kind of ceremony that's dope that's dope okay so so another question that i had does anybody say amen is there like a response oh yeah 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 so the whole service is 
<laughs> we would call it call and response in the black church, but it's not that loud. <laughs> it's God. very orderly. So there's uh, responsive readings. And, okay, yeah. And, so that's in the liturgy, but in the yes. homily, is there like a no? There's none of that. Yeah. But but here's the thing: as almost scripted as the mass is, there is a lot of cultural adaptation because Catholicism has been such a global religion for so long. So, for instance, um, this isn't even going out of the country. This is in. Um, the inner city of Chicago, where the population is predominantly black, you'll have preachers, priests, white or black, mm-hmm. adapting the homily hmm. in black homiletical style. Oh, dope, dope. That's really interesting. And That's then really you'll have the, 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 the most diverse expressions of biblical figures, racially and ethnically, that I ever saw was in Nazareth. I was studying abroad and we went all over the Holy Land, um, Israel and the surrounding areas about the size of New Jersey. So we got to go to Capernaum and Nazareth and Bethlehem and all these places. And there's a church in Nazareth that had mosaics of Madonna and child in every, it was like contributed by different countries and different wow, nationalities wow, so they yeah. they 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 put the clothes on the skin coloring wow. of that place right so all i'm saying is there there's also a cultural adapt adaptivity so you go to catholic churches in africa right and it it comes there's different expressions and flavors to it even as there's a consistency to the liturgy it was it was beautiful at times. That is beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Thank you for sharing that. That's really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. questions do you have for me, good black church boy? <laughs> I'm curious. Did you do the church finger, or is that just like a popular? That's Baptist. That's a Baptist thing. Oh, that's a Baptist. Yeah, that's thing. a Baptist thing. So yes, if you go to a church, a Baptist church, you you know to do the church <laughs> finger if you have to get up and and leave. Did you have mothers of the church? Yes, but not necessarily in the same way that Baptists would. Okay. So, so much of Baptist liturgy and Baptist denominational expression has shaped how people view the church. The black in church in general. And so, yes, you would have church hats. Uh-huh. And, but, but church mothers in that, in that sense, it would be more unofficial than official. Yeah. Right. Now, I still carry that over. So I'll say we have a church mother. Like I, we have one, you know, and that's the mother of the house, you know. So so tease out some of so you came in a a more Pentecostal tradition. Oh yeah. Which is different than has some very different traditions than a black Baptist yes. tradition. Okay, so what was characteristic of a distinctly black Pentecostal church upbringing? Late 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 night prayer meetings. <laughs> oh man. Not necessarily tarrying. Some of y'all know what that is. So tarrying is basically the idea of Waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Okay. So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting to have that evidence. But not necessarily like a tearing experience, but um yeah, very late night prayer meetings. That I mean, you last. gotta really love Jesus to You do, but you don't have a choice as a good black <laughs> church kid. Because if you if you're not there, that says something. Right. So if you're not at if you're not a Saturday morning prayer at six AM, something's wrong. Like, oh, you wow. you're bad. Wow. You're a bad child. Was it or or you you've succumbed to the world and you have like travel football. Okay, or okay. So that's a whole bevy of questions. One, were you the kind of black church kid that's at the church six out of seven nights a week? Absolutely, because I'm a PK. Ah. So because I'm a PK, I'm there on Sunday morning. I'll typically get 
what would typically happen is they would pick me up from school three o'clock on Monday, and then we drive. I listen to the radio while we headed to church or the church office. So it'd be one of those two. So we headed to church. We stay there till six or so, um, six or seven. And so we stay there for like three, four hours, close up the office, do all that. Had a whole bunch of employees at the time. So probably, you know, 20, 30 employees. And so we close up the office. And then Tuesday night was typically either prayer or discipleship. It was actually also the time where we would normally have, because we were on television on Tuesday nights. Mm. So we were on just your regular TV station. And so- Tyler been big time. N- no, I-, I <laughs> Well, I did do the intro outro for them for years. I <laughs> uh, started when I was 13 doing the intro outro for a TV show. And so we would we would have people, we would have a hotline so people could call in and get saved, ask for prayer, do all that. And so there would be elders and and um deacons and leaders who would who would receive those calls and pray for people across the region who decided that they needed prayer. Wednesday night was Bible study, also youth group. Thursday night was choir rehearsal. Um, Friday night was some sort of youth activity typically. My goodness. Saturday morning was an e- evangelism or some sort of outreach. And then Sunday starts the cycle again. Wow. But it, it's not like we had to do all of those. That's typically what was happening at the church. Okay. And then that's not to say like affinity groups or special events or occasions or counseling sessions. Um, or we didn't have small groups. But something akin to small groups, yeah, you know, yeah. or things of that nature, and then special events, worship nights, youth nights, women's days, men's gatherings, men's breakfast, you know, every third Saturday, <laughs> you know, it was a whole full women's. Calendar. It was it was a full, full, full calendar. Yes, yes, yes. So definitely a full calendar. This is more PK stuff, but I'm just curious because I'm actually dealing with this with my own kid. Were there rules about how you could? be in the building as a preacher's kid. Oh, yeah. So you can't run in the sanctuary. You know, like you talking about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of unwritten, though. Like people would always like be like, "Uh, I don't know if you could do that. But I kind of the rules kind of broke for me when (laughs) I don't know if the rules broke for me. But like, I feel like people, everything changed when I was in the uh, mind of my own business. I was (laughs) Minded my black boy business, uh-huh. and I was walking up the aisle at church, and uh, this girl who was in my Sunday school class said, hey, Tyler. I was like, hey, how you doing? And she walks up and kisses me on the mouth. Oh, <laughs> how old were you? I was like seven or eight, oh. bro. Everybody was Tyler, like, whoa. Tyler been had game. He been big time, and he been had game. I mean, but I had the multicolored vest on and the, <laughs> and the glasses, what? and I had the smooth Bible. I had the Bible that was like... Showed you actually been reading it, not the one that was like the stock Bible that they gave out. Oh to the wow, visitors. the one that had no, I had was the smooth, up, beat I had up. the smooth Bible, mm. and I had the Bible case too. Of course, so I carried it with the Bible case. Of so course. I feel like that got her, and she just it was just wow. And I didn't object, you know, I offered no resistance, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they I said, feel like that was it. Yeah, Tyler, I feel like that was it. I feel like down. that was it. Everybody was like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, you can't really typically run. You know, this is this is the thing. Okay, let me tell you a couple of things. I know you're you're not a good church kid. Two things growing up. You are not a good church kid if you can chew gum in your church. Wow. You're not a good church kid. Mm-mm. I don't care if they let you do it. If you chew gum in the sanctuary, you're not a good church kid. <laughs> you in sin. Like that's just you shouldn't be able to eat nothing in except for them peppermints, whatever peppermints the hard they candies. offer. You can eat the hard candy or you can communion. Can't be no chocolate. That might melt. Uh-uh. That'll get in there. Uh-uh. 
You can't be chewing gum. You chewing gum in church? I walk in, I see church. I was like, how you chewing gum in church? It still catches me off guard. I'm like, huh? Oh, this generation done got loose. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. You are not a good church kid. Not a good church kid. If you weren't in the church choir, youth, you, the wow. youth choir. Because if you didn't regardless make the church, of singing ability, regardless of singing ability, it does not matter. It's a mass choir. So if you if you don't if you don't make the youth choir, you are so bad. You are so bad that Minister Stewart or Minister Johnson literally is saying I cannot deal with them, and that is like shame. Wow. Because on Easter, all the youth are up there, and you're in the, you're in the the audience sitting down with the sour face. <laughs> you wilding out too bad. Probably chewing gum too because yeah. <laughs> you're a bad church kid. So yeah, definitely. You're also not a good church kid if um, you never won any sort of Bible prize that oh, got wow. recognized in front of people. You're not a good church kid. Wow. You didn't read your Bible. What kind of Bible competitions did you have to do? So you got sword drills, of course. Sword yes. drills are your typical ones. But then also Bible memorization. So if you never got a certificate for Bible memorization, that was so easy. And they gave you too many opportunities to do that in our in our you know growth um, for kids men and so if 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 you didn't get that you just literally didn't care like because they would literally pass them things out so if you're not up there and you don't have any I'm not talking about it's not hard if you just memorize one verse it's like you were trying not to you are not a good church kid see these are the things that happen yeah right, so right, right. and it was different for me because I'm a PK so. There were expectations, right? Did there you, were always expectations. Were, are you a good church kid if you didn't have to like recite a poem in front of the congregation? No, because our church was very big, like obnoxiously big, like 5,000 a Sunday big. So if <laughs> if you didn't recite a poem, like you got to you gotta beat some people to get in there. Like, uh-huh, so it's like you uh-huh, got to actually- uh-huh. That was a prime know, spot, yeah. You got to fight for that. <laughs> It's like obnoxiously big. So if you didn't if you didn't have a spot on the program, that was typically normal. If you if it's a youth day and you're not in anything, like that's, the, that's a problem. Yes, because what would typically happen is the youth would go into the back before the service, and then all the bad kids would be like, ah, well, you over there. And then they slowly be walking in, shuffling, walking, and sitting with their parents because there was no youth section that day. <laughs> and they're the ones looking out of place. And they're the bad kids. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just messing. I'm you not they're not quote bad unquote. Kids, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, y'all. And so anyway, so yes. And so if you know if you weren't in those, that's like, oh, okay, like something really happened. Did something. Yes. Or your mama sat you down, which happened to me a couple of times. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a thing. And again, it was a little bit different for me because I'm a PK. Was so, it was it was it really like like almost like holiness to where, you know, you can't watch certain things, you can't listen to certain music, you can't go certain places kind of thing growing up? No. Well, it was for me. Like so I couldn't listen to the radio or none of that. No secular music, you know. Um there were a lot of things I couldn't watch uh on television. Like Saturday morning cartoons hit different for me because mm. I had to skip Power Rangers uh, because that was black magic. Oh, wow. And I skipped Power Rangers. Uh, you know, for the kids, kids, you can watch Teletubbies. Obviously, no Harry Potter. Huh. Um, Dragon Ball Z, I got away with it for a little bit. And then when they started doing the Kamehameha, um, my dad said I was conjuring. So. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so my dad said I was conjuring, so I couldn't do that. Um, also couldn't watch at a certain point Rugrats. Uh, Rugrats. got banned. Um, they were too. They were too risque. No, I just I, I don't know. Like it was just the kids were like rebellious. They yep. felt like you know. So it's just like no. 
It was yeah, so there was very specific stuff in that. And then in the movies, when you go to a PG thirteen movie, your eyes would get covered at a certain point. Wow. So, you know, you would be sitting there watching and they would cover your eyes or they would say, Close your eyes. And like you would cover your eyes, but then keep a keep a slit wide of enough. Course, to of course. Of course. Of <laughs> course. You gotta get it in. Get it in. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. So so those are things that yes, but like it was different. It was different things for different kids. So for me, it was very strict. But for other kids, it wasn't as strict. So what kind of clothes would you have to wear? Was there strict rules about that to church? Yeah. So no. I mean, well, it was kind of unwritten though. Like we used, we were a come as you are church. Okay. So you could just come as you are, and there were people that could come. You know, however, but if you came, but if you came in jeans and like your, even if it was a jeans and a button down or something like that, you were either a guest or a visitor. Or like you needed deliverance, or like it was a testimony like situation. So, so, so what is come as you are if it's not jeans? It's like no. I'm just saying that was the implicit. That was the implicit oh, okay. unwritten rule. Okay. <laughs> Theoretically, so that was the was perception, fine. even yeah. though like that's not always true. Mm. So what that would was just you the wear? Khakis and a button down? No, 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 never khakis. It would always have to be dress pants and always a button down with any variation of vest tie. Uh, suit jacket. Oh wow! Okay. Any variation of that, and I would be every time, even if we were going to kids ministry, children's ministry. Really? And I had a rotation of outfits, so I was pretty, pretty set. I was pretty set, <laughs> pretty fashionable. Lots of flower print. I can show y'all pictures later. Lots just of girls ask. running up in the island. Um, kissing. Yeah. Look, man. <laughs> I don't know what what happened, but it was just it was the it was the anointing, man. It was the anointing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But what I'm saying is, yeah. So yes, there were typically like dress code unwritten, and yeah. then people would come like. Which is one of the hardest things as a pastor now to deal with because people still have that perspective and perception of that. Sure. And I preach in jeans and a t-shirt sometimes. Like I, I'll, I'll switch it up. I'll preach in a three-piece suit. Sometimes I'll preach in a dashiki, you know. Yeah. I'll preach in kente cloth or I'll preach in like, you know, a hoodie or, you know, I just, I'll switch it up so uh-huh, much that uh-huh. people don't know how to like keep hold of it. <laughs> Can't take their cues from you. Right, right. Exactly. So yeah, that was definitely a thing, man. But it's just so funny, like looking back on these customs now, man. Do you think, do you think there's less of that now? Like this, a generation coming up that just won't have that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and part of this is because the most influential churches on social media and online are churches that eschew those traditions mm. typically. Mm-hmm. These are the most influential. And I'm not saying there aren't big churches that have a liturgical kind of church boy feel. Um, one that I think of off the top of my head is Fellowship Chicago with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dr. Reginald Sharp. Um, also, Alpha Street Baptist Church, Dr. Howard John Wesley. They kind of have that feel, that that hybrid feel, but still have that liturgical you know, approach to mm-hmm. some of the things that they do. Or like a Trinity with Otis Moss, you know, things like that. But the vast majority of them, they're they're watching Mike Todd or T.D. Mm-hmm. Jakes or, you know, a lot of them Stephen Furtick or, you know, people like that, you know. And so uh, Darius Daniels, you know, they're watching the people who are much more, you know, younger. Those are the much more kind of progressive online social media ministries that are capturing people's attention. And that those don't have those traditions typically. Right, right. And they right. don't have those liturgical elements baked into them uh, for a number of reasons, I think. And so as a result of that, I think a generation, those traditions are fading. Now, this this presupposes, though, that you're not in a strict place that still enforces those. Right. Like, so some places like a, a missionary Baptist church. Yes. Um, 
But even you take a new birth missionary Baptist church with Jamal Bryant, right? That's not going That's to, you're not different. going to get that, yes. right? But but more of a traditional missionary Baptist church or a um, primitive Baptist church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get something very different, right? Even a Kojic church or a PAW church. If you go to the right one, you're going to get something very strict and very different. Yeah, because um, I was like, you know, we definitely have these folks that we access online who sort of take up the most airtime, but like... On the ground level, if folks are going to church, oh, those those churches still prevalent. All those things, yes, but all they are, but all those folks that I mentioned are heavily influencing churches on the ground mm. beyond what you would. So churches even are imagine. patterning themselves after those ministries, or they're asking questions about um, liturgical customs. Yeah. Or unwritten rules yeah. that are being challenged because those churches have challenged them. It's so interesting. Do you think there should be in this questioning a distinction between like what we term worldliness and eschewing some of these things that aren't necessarily like biblical distinctions right. and liturgy, right? Like the where that's coming from is That's a good question. If folks think, you know, perhaps there's a healthy questioning of what constitutes holiness and worldliness, right? But in that questioning, you say, well, if we want to get rid of what we think is not helpful or healthy or biblical Hmm. rules around holiness, that means getting rid of liturgy or getting rid of things about the church or church tradition that don't fit in that category, but all get lumped in together. That's really interesting. And yes, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think liturgy is a bad thing. I think it's an inherently good thing, right? Everyone has a liturgy, yeah, even if it's even, even if, if it's unwritten. Yes, like even everyone has a liturgy. Everyone has a way that they do church. Everyone has a presupposition. Everyone has a pastoral order. Everyone has something that they do, right? Um, even if it's we don't care about it. You do still in uh-huh. everything That's that you, yes. in every Sunday and every time you come to, uh, to gather together. But I think it is a good distinction to understand that some of these things were extra biblical. And then also some of these things were, um, extra biblical, but helpful and they're contextual to the moment, mm. right? Mm. So they're contextual based upon survival. Yeah. That some of the heavy rules that we had and the activity that we had to do and all the things that we participated in the youth camps and the youth days were actually designed to keep us interested and our hands busy mm. right because if we if we stopped doing that then we would find it somewhere else yeah so we'd find it in church right and so some of these customs are actually helpful for us but there are also some things that it's just like the reality is they're, they're outdated or they're yeah. extra biblical yeah. and and we can do without them and we can also do without them and see what what needs to be critiqued in the way we're doing it now, mm. which is often very loose and we're not thinking about it and is actually mo- molded and modeled after something um, that is more culturally hype driven than right. actually exactly. biblical or intentional. Right. Right. That's what right. I'm getting at. And so absolutely. Yes. I yep. think there is a, there's a need to challenge the new stuff too. Uh-huh. And there's a need to to think fondly of being a good church kid or being just a church boy. I'm saying good church kid because I'm I'm being silly. But just being a church kid. Yeah, just growing up with that as just part of growing yours. up with the part of part of your story. Yes, yes. Like recognizing these things, seeing these things, and also knowing that a lot of what they did in that moment and taught me has shaped me today. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. my church might not look like what it used to look like. Yeah. 
and it might not have the same trappings and it might not have right. the same unwritten and written rules, right? Um, but they shaped me to be able to do that now. One more element of being a black church kid, affirmation. Hmm. So I feel like yes, in, on multiple levels, what black churches have often been good at is affirmation. So from titles for people yes. to things like the youth day, which yes. the subtext is you have gifts, you have talents, you have capabilities that we want to celebrate and we yes. believe in you. We believe you can lead worship. We believe that you can lead us in prayer. We believe that you now can they're gonna tell you if you can't sing now. They're gonna they're gonna <laughs> you're gonna know if you can't sing. That's all right. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. Um is that is that is that yes. true in your experience? So true that you know, graduation day, when I think of graduation, like graduation day and the recognition of graduation was every level <laughs> kindergarten so you would grade, have kindergarten to yes yeah. kindergarten to fifth grade to eighth grade to uh high school to college to masters to doctorate all standing in a line of educational achievement my 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 my, my. and so they would all get applauded the same together mm. Mm. so it wasn't that oh we're gonna bring up the real graduates now no you're all the real graduates mm. And even if you graduated from fifth fifth grade into middle school, you a real graduate. Yeah. Like you're gonna get the same little gift. Yep. Yep. You know, I'll never forget one of our one of our um the guys I was in youth group with, he actually ended up going to the NFL. And so he had graduated from college. He had broke all these college, these college records. He was a running back, broke all these college records, ended up, I think. He had the rookie rushing record, I think, in the NFL. Mm. I think it may, he may, it may have been eclipsed. Um, but at one point he did have the rookie rushing record. And so And you're just not gonna say the name, right? Oh, Alfred Morris. Alfred okay. Morris. Yeah, he played <laughs> for Washington, Washington football. The people team. People wanna know. Um his mom still goes to our church. Uh good friend, really, really good dude. And um I just remember he graduated from college and had come back for something, and he was in the same space as like getting ready to get drafted, same space as like kid graduating from into sixth grade. <laughs> That's beautiful. And so, yeah, you're going to clap for yeah. him because yeah. we got Alfred Morris. Oh, you know, but it's like you all getting the same applause. Right, right. You know, you're and that's a beautiful the thing. Same time. Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't understand is, is you know, people have seen me speak in other places and um, somebody said, wow, you didn't even seem nervous when you spoke at this place. And I said, you don't understand. Like the black church has prepared me mm. to speak anywhere yep. to anybody about anything. Yeah. In any moment, because all my wins, my losses, my frustrations, the times I flopped, the times I people applauded me, the times I forgot my words, the times I froze, all happened in the black church. They all happened from at childhood. New Dimensions. From yeah. childhood up. Yeah. I've 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 experienced it all. Yeah. My first time speaking publicly was in a black church. Mm. The first time I embarrassed myself to the point where I thought I was never gonna speak again was in a a black church. Mm. The first time I got a standing ovation was in the black church. Mm. <laughs> the first time I got shouted down for preaching was in a black church. Mm. Like all that was You've there. Been, been been through it all. Been through it all. Yeah. The first yeah. television opportunity I got, black church. Wow. First radio opportunity I got, black church. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. They prepared me. Right. More than any college did, they prepared me. And there's such a historical aspect to it, too, because, I mean, we often remember the black church as like at the forefront of the civil rights movement. First of all, it was a minority of churches. Right. But there is <laughs> everybody wasn't marching. Right. Everybody, everybody wasn't marching. marching. But there was something to it in the sense that people got a lot of their organizing skills in and through the church. Yes. When you're organizing the prayer breakfast, the women's auxiliary, the the church service, the retreat, the the whatever, that was your first taste of organizing exactly. or your first yep. sight of organizing, right? When, you know, the orators who are well known throughout the movement, you know, they've been doing that. They were in the choir, they were giving the Easter speeches, they were doing the the trial sermons and all of that stuff. So it has often been the place of the catalyst initiation yes. and training the greenhouse. and affirmation. Yes, the, the greenhouse. greenhouse. Yeah. Incubation. Yes, the incubator. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I look back on it and I roll my eyes, but I also smile real big. Because you wouldn't be you without it. I wouldn't be me without it. What am I missing? What else? What else, y'all? What else proves that you are a good church kid? I want you to tweet me, tag me in it. Where the bad church kids at? Where the kids that didn't get picked for youth choir? <laughs> Show yourselves. I know you out there. Reveal yourselves. I'm messing. I love y'all too. But I want to know. I want to know what the people think. This has been really cool just to this talk about our cool. yes. our church kid upbringings, Jamar. We need to do this again. We're going to bring in Adam Keeley on the next one because he's got some that I... Oh, I, I can't definitely imagine. can't even. I look, I haven't even been thinking and about. He's got a way of saying it. It'll be serious, but you'll be cracking up at exactly. the same time. Yeah. Yes, yes, anyway. yes. We good church kids. That's what we trying to say. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.